Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And Gavin, it was a forgettable weekend for the Knicks on their West Coast trip. Yeah, not fun. Back-to-back losses to the Warriors and the Suns. And we discussed the big-term implications of that. The one positive to come out of the weekend in Quentin Grimes. And who's getting fired first? All that and more right now on Locked On. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are breaking down a couple bad losses from the weekend. Sometimes we decide spur the moment to do a Friday for Saturday pod and like add an extra episode in, even if we already have five in there for the week. This is not one of those. <laughs> the Knicks... Lose 111 to 101 on Friday to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, a game that, in my opinion, was not as close as the final score indicates that 10 point margin. And then uh, today, Sunday, lose to the Phoenix Suns 116 to 95, which I'd say that was probably roughly accurate of their. Uh, their play level in this game. I mean, they did keep things somewhat close. Jalen Brunson did his best. Quentin Grimes did his best. Uh, but they just like the Suns went on a run at a certain point because the Knicks just kind of decided to not play defense anymore in like the third quarter. And that was pretty much all she wrote there, considering they still have RJ Barrett ba- barely able to make a shot. Julius Randle wasn't shooting well in this game, just not a great game overall. Gavin, on, on that happy note, I'll throw it to you. Uh, <laughs> what was your big takeaway from these two games? After our other two games last week uh, were, like, sort of surprisingly good. You know, like, two wins to start off this road trip. We were like, oh, man, this is different. And then, you know, with the Jazz and the Nuggets, the high altitude games, snap like a 20-16-year streak, whatever, against the Nuggets, never winning in Denver, and then back to the old ways i guess these last two games yeah this is going to be a, a stretch of an analogy for me given that i i don't drive and rock auto um as far as i know uh, apologies if this is rock is no longer a sponsor but the knicks are like an incredibly old super used car a uh, hundred thousand miles or, or, or more on it that uh, got a fresh coat of paint and and that fresh coat of paint is jalen brunson and on some nights he makes them look a little bit more functional in games where they should lose by 30. Maybe he makes them lose by 16 because he's super duper efficient. But 
my, my glaring takeaway is that this is still very much the same team as last year. And, and two of your three offensive fulcrums are amongst the least efficient guys in the NBA at their position. I mean, R.J. Barrett, I, I think, a late, latest stats on cleaning the glass, uh, 19th percentile in points per shot attempt, uh, 4th percentile league-wide in three-point shooting, 2nd percentile in non-corner three-point shooting. I mean, sick or not, if he's out there, he's really damaging the team. Julius has certainly been better offensively this year. There's no denying that than he was a year ago, but because he still can't really shoot threes, he has not been exceptionally efficient like he was, or at least for his volume in the 2021 season. And then defensively, um, I think this was a nadir for him. This, this was absolutely a new low. He was an, he was a space cadet uh, for, for two straight games in, in such a glaring way. And, and as we, we always like to qualify our, or yeah, qualify on this podcast. Um, we don't know the scheme. And I, I've seen at times where someone will point out a Julius clip and then someone who, who knows basketball on a slightly higher level or who's like who's in the league will be like, no, 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 this actually isn't on Julius. Like, and here's why. And I'm sure they're right. Uh, but by the same token, when you have constant breakdowns and there is consistently one person who is not guarding anyone, m- maybe I'm wrong. And I would love for someone to ask Tom Thibodeau and I would love for Tom Thibodeau to set the record straight. It seems a lot like that guy's the issue. And that guy was Julius Randle for these games. I mean, our guy Benji clipped it from the Suns game. Um, I, I noticed it live. I mean, there was one particularly egregious one where, where he was matched up on Mikael Bridges and he was he was literally in the paint while Mikael Bridges is just flat out one of the better three-point shooters in the league uh, was wide open from distance. He missed it, uh, but then didn't make any effort to box out. DeAndre Ayton got the rebound. He gave kind of a half-hearted attempt to go block it. Ayton got an and one. But what was frustrating, Alex, is like that wasn't a lone instance that happened, I, I counted, right around eight times over these two games. It was disgusting defense from Julius Randle, and it makes it even harder to comprehend. Like, after that Denver game, even the Suns game, he had a play where he slid on the court and put his body on the line. But his effort is so selective and so inconsistent. It's, it's why it reminds me of last year. There was nothing sustainable. There was nothing to build on. And honestly, I think it's, it's a good little, like, microcosm of, of what the Knicks are as a whole right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I... I I can't I struggle to find any positives in these these two games particularly as it pertains to Julius and RJ which you know I guess you could still say that like Bronson is the is the the positive here to go with your your auto analogy I guess if I was going to make myself it's like putting a like slapping a turbo on like a a 200,000 mile beater you know what I mean it's like he's going to you know get you up and going sometimes but that that car is just not going to going to survive long term if the the rest of the parts aren't good and like yeah Randall right now is so flighty with when he decides to care when he decides to not care that you can't get a good read on him you know like he I don't know how he goes from that just like apex predator performance against like the nuggets where he just looked so good like offensively defensively like rebounds hustle whatever allegedly well not even allegedly you could like hear it in his voice like with a cold like i mean he wasn't feeling well and still played that well and then it seems like based off the reporting that everybody like based off what the announcers and stuff are saying that everybody on the team is more or less healthy now from this like flu that ran rampant through them for like a week and yet you know julius in this game was just kind of like Eh, disinterested, you know, and like it's not like this was a 
a game where the Knicks got way down early or something, and it's like, oh, well, they got demoralized. It's fine. You know, you're going to just lose some sometimes. It's like they were in it. I mean, they're only down like three at the half or two at the half. And, you know, they they had made some plays and seemed like they could potentially be in it. And then just led by Julius, they just decided like, nope, no more defense in the third quarter. And that was it. And they just like gave up the game. Um, I, I don't know what to make of it. It's tough. I I think honestly, though, I'm more worried right now. Like at least with Julius, we can pinpoint what it is where it's just like this guy just doesn't give full effort all the time. With RJ Barrett, I'm starting to actually get like worried at this point. And you know, even if this is a a phase or like a a cold streak, like what we've seen from him to start other seasons before, at what point does he stop just being terrible for the first like quarter of the season? You know, it's this is every year with him. You know, it's he's always really bad to start the year for one reason or another, and. Last year, it was the stomach bug or whatever. This year, it's the, oh, he's had the flu. Like, okay, fine. I, I get that these things happen, but now, allegedly, he's better. Like, his la- just to pile on, and I don't want to pile on, but, like, his last five games right now is just atrocious. 31 minutes per game. He's scoring 12.6 points, but it's on 26.3% from the field oh, on 15 attempts and eight Eight percent from three on five attempts per game. It's just it's disgusting. I mean, <laughs> he so needs bad. to yeah, he needs to just be sat right now. Like honestly, I think he needs to sit for like a whole game. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like he, he needs to get his head on straight, period. Like the second the Cam Reddish and Quentin Grimes are both healthy, give RJ a day or two off and be like, get your head right, do whatever it is you gotta do, do some yoga and meditation with Julius. You know, like whatever you got to do, but like don't don't come back out here if if you're gonna keep playing the way you have been because he's forcing it, and he just doesn't look good right now. I, I'm 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 starting to I'm starting to reach worrisome points with RJ, and like I think you and I have been RJ's biggest supporters by and large to this point. It's just like I don't know it, this the start to the season is really starting to rub me the wrong way a little bit. Where I'm just like I've written this off for like three years now, and now it's the fourth year of him starting off. And this is, I think the worst of any of his rough starts ever. And, and that's not great considering what we expected out of him this year, having just gotten the contract extension. Yeah. I've, I've, I've some thoughts. I have, I have another convoluted analogy to make. Uh, But first uh, maybe RJ, obviously he needs to see a medical doctor, but uh, maybe could benefit from a sports psychologist as well. And if you could benefit from therapy, there's only one place to go, and we need to start off by noting that the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manu- manual, so when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's a career change, a new relationship, or becoming a parent. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp is connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient and accessible anywhere, 100% online. Um, I know for me, uh, therapy has been life-changing and it's it's incredibly impactful to unpack past experiences and, and, and be able to talk your way through someone objective with new ones and someone who might show you a little bit more sympathy than you show yourself. So as the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. 
All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. And we also wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights. Only Locked On can provide Locked On Sports today. Available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. So, Alex, I, I promised uh, one more convoluted analogy. I will give it. I, I, I don't know. I, I think you you were. You, I think you dated your wife for like ten years before you guys got married. If that's mm-hmm. memory serves. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe you've been lucky enough to never experience this, but for anyone who's ever been in like a relationship where you just have that, that nagging feeling that something isn't right and you really don't want to believe it. And it's just like slowly sneaking up and like it pops up at different times. And then eventually like way later than you should realize it, it's, it's proven true. Like, all right, this, this wasn't great. This wasn't right. That's how, I mean, for the Knicks, like at times it's not that subtle. But it is in that it's so easy to get roped back in, right? When, when they have that Denver game, when they have the Jazz game, you can talk yourself into it and be like, well, Tibbs, is, he's trying new stuff. Like, all right, I mean, Julius, he was playing really hard and like he, he's really good when he just goes to the rim and when he's focused defensively. And you know what? When they, when they use him as just a switch defender, he's incredible. He's so good at stopping guards. And you can, you can do that over and over again. We've, we've been doing it for two years with the guy. We've been doing it for two years with Tom Thibodeau now. I mean, even, even the year when the Knicks were winning. We were doing a Tom Thibodeau and going to just insane lengths to justify Alfred Payton starting that entire season, which he, which he kind of reluctantly admitted by, what was it, game three, game four, game five for the Hawks series. Like, all right, this was pretty stupid. I, I probably should have tried something else at some point and given someone else those reps and, and actually been ready for a playoff series. Um, All that is to say that that is very much where I'm at with this Knicks team down where that nagging feeling has become a raging one that something has to change and has to change very quickly because to the point of what you were just saying, Quentin Grimes and Cam Reddish, like maybe this is a stretch with Grimes playing just one game so far this year, but I'm willing to say it. I mean, they're just, they're better players than RJ Barrett right now. Um, Obi Toppin has had a terrible two game stretch where he looked mostly like he's forgotten how to play basketball. I would still go so far to posit. He, he will make a better impact on this team than Julius Randall. If for no other reason than Randall, I, I believe with his inconsistency, his just interest defensively, no matter how good he is at times, drains the life force out of everyone else on the court and means there can never be any coherent identity or common purpose. And and no matter what he brings, that is a deal with the devil I am no longer willing to make. So I know we've done versions of this a bunch of times over, but this team just feels fundamentally broken to me in in a way that no matter how many good flashes they have, I I think is irreparable. Yeah, I'm starting to feel that way too. And, you know, I I think it mostly comes – like. For as bad as RJ has been, I think you still, at this point, especially having given him the contract extension, you still have to show investment in him. You know what I mean? Like, and look, we say it a million times, he's still just 22 years old right now. Like, yeah. he's there, there are some players that are going to come into the NBA in this coming draft that are the same age as RJ Barrett as a four year pro. And, you know, RJ's accomplished some pretty great highs so far by 22 years old. Like, you know, the scored over 40 points in a game before and has had multiple 30 point games in a row, stuff like that. And, you know, it was really shot 40% from three for a whole season, even if it was the COVID season, you know, there are reasons to feel like, okay, maybe things can get back on track here. If you could just like 
figure out what it is that is his block. You know, if it's a mental block, a physical block, whatever it is that RJ needs to fix, like you can see it. You know, there there's an outline of of the guy yeah. that you want for that contract. With Tibbs, there's there's nothing left to to experiment here. You know, he's not some young coach you're going through growing pains with. He's an old coach who you're going through the inevitable Dying decline pains. that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like the inevitable decline that always comes with a Tom Thibodeau team. Uh, and we're just kind of living through that, like, final few months of his Timberwolves stint right now, you know, or the final few months of the Bulls stint, you know, where it's like his team's on life support and a few more losses, and that'll probably be enough to, to you know, put the final nail in the coffin. Um, so we'll see how long that takes Julius. The Julius thing is going to be a little more tricky. I think, I mean, it seems like they're very committed to him for one reason or another, the front office. And maybe it's more than we think. Maybe they have really just been trying to showcase like, Hey, this guy still knows how to play basketball for some other team to try to trade for him. But that's the part, you know, that's going to be the trickier part. I think Tibbs gets canned if they, if they lose, if this two game losing streak turns into like a five game losing streak or something, which, Look, we thought they might be on a four-game losing streak already right now, and they're not. But, you know, if, if they lose their next three or something, maybe then, the, you know, his seat gets hotter and and things, you know, go the way of, of him getting fired. But the Julius thing is is going to maybe take all the way to the trade deadline, maybe all the way to the next offseason. But I, I'm with you. I, I just think if he's going to be this flighty with his effort and – where you don't know what you're going to get out of him any given night, he can't be effectively the face of your franchise. You know, like it just, it just can't be, you know, I, I I loved the 2021 season, but I, you know, I'm fully willing to just leave that in the rear view. If, if that means, you know, just kind of moving on and establishing a new identity without Julius Randle, because at this point it just feels so like, it's just frustrating from our perspective to just never know what we're going to get any given night. And then, like you said, talking ourselves into like, Oh, but look at how great that game was. And then next two games, he literally just like stops playing defense and starts putting up crappy shots and stuff. It's, it's very frustrating to watch him right now. Yeah. It's, it, it's painful. Um, let's, uh, let's take a quick break and then come back. And I want to talk about, a big positive to come out of this weekend. And, and that was the play of Quentin Grimes. Is he, he, he looked like the person that we expected this whole offseason. But Alex, if people want to bet on positive numbers for Quentin Grimes going forward, where, where, where's the one place that they should go? Oh, I wasn't going to go positive at all at this read. I was going to make it overtly negative. Do what you got to do. <laughs> it, was, it was not a great sports day for me today with the Knicks and the Jets. So... Uh, but this is where I tell everybody that today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. And I don't know if you guys have ever played Prize Picks before, but if you haven't, you should. It's my favorite daily fantasy game out there. I really grew disenchanted with the whole daily fantasy thing when I was playing some of the the ones out there where you set a lineup using a certain amount of dollars and like there's 40,000 entries in any given contest and like 20,000 of them belong to one like professional gambler who's out here like with a spreadsheet and all this stuff and, and, you know, can basically stack the deck for himself. So he wins the entire contest pool. It just was not a fun experience. I found like I was, I felt like I was flushing money down the toilet 
Price Picks has been so much better of an experience for me because it's it's a better way to do daily fantasy. You're not facing a whole bunch of professionals online. It's just you versus projected numbers. So you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections, and they offer projections on any sport that you watch, and this includes, get ready for the long list, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. You can make entries in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. And you can do mixed sport entries. So if you want to pick RJ Barrett under five and a half field goals made and Zach Wilson under 52 and a half passing yards, you could definitely pick that. And you'll probably have a really good chance of hitting because they both are terrible right now. Uh, so you also get safe and fast withdrawals from prize picks and it's currently operational in over 30 states and canada so download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with promo code locked on if you deposit a hundred dollars prize picks will give you a hundred dollars if you deposit fifty dollars prize picks will give you fifty dollars don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars at prize picks All right, and we are back to talk more Knicks. Gavin, you know what? It's time to get into at least one positive here before we get into another negative. There's just not a lot to look at and feel good about this weekend. Uh, but my my big positive is Quentin Grimes. He's, he's finally back and looks healthy. Uh, it played 32 minutes in a start against the Suns uh, after, of course, not really being able to see the floor much this whole year, basically. I mean, he's, he's struggled to play more than seven or eight minutes, apparently with this, this foot injury that as we heard on the broadcast, he just kind of had to rest it until it felt better. Yeah. So seemingly it was plantar fasciitis, which would, that would be the injury where that was the case. And that's what people were speculating. So it's, it's, it was nice at least to hear that. And there was some method behind the madness. Yeah. So seems like he's better now. I thought he looked really good. Like, all things told, you know, a little rusty, uh, cool. but I thought that in general he was he was as good as I could have possibly expected in this game. Like to shoot four of ten, and, and the fact that he didn't shoot that well from three, but showed other stuff like with his ability to get inside and and actually create on the inside as well. I thought it was really good. Uh, he had eight assists, which led the team, and I didn't think they were particularly fluky either. I mean, he was kind of like working guys open a little bit. Uh, he was, you know, like sort of getting inside and or at least fainting like he was going to go inside and then just kind of waiting for guys to make a cut and then just making the easy pass or hitting somebody who was open in a ton of empty space to then allow them to just cut straight to the rim because he was drawing enough attention. Uh, he had one of those with Julius Randle. He had a nice one where he sort of fed Mitchell Robinson along the baseline that I can remember uh, that worked out pretty well, which yeah. we'll talk about Mitch in a, in a second as well. But I thought this was a really good outing for Grimes. It, it sort of showed summer league Grimes in many mm -hmm. ways. And the fact that I thought they had him doing a lot more initiation than I thought that he would be. Yeah, he was, he was a revelation uh, in this game. And it was, he, I, I think, I think you nailed it. He, he looked, I mean, obviously not as many on the ball reps, but within the context of the Knicks system. And when, when my, and I'm not, 
bragging about this because I think this is the only one that's going to look even relatively close to right. But when I made my bold prediction that Grimes was going to be the starter for at least 50 games this year and put up pretty decent stats, like th this was the dude I was expecting to see. And we, we got it against the Suns. And, and just his, his combination of just doing very simple, functional NBA things, like he, he just consistently made the extra pass in this game. First, first bucket of the game uh, was an outlet to Julius Randle for a layup. And, and then he just, he just flashed that he has... I would say top 1% hands in the NBA. Um, just a crazy strip uh, on campaign on a recovery. Um, had another one where he caught up to Torrey Craig from behind, stripped the ball. Like initially I thought it was Rose because I didn't even think Cam could could have gotten there, but he did. Got the ball, uh, ran down the court and and, and threw a go-ahead pass to uh, an outlet to Emmanuel quickly to earn free throws. Did such a good job on Devin Booker in the first half. Held him to 3 of 10 shooting for 10 points. Was fighting around screens. Was getting in his chest. Was very physical. Was just forcing a lot of contested fadeaways. And that's the thing with Grimes. Like, whatever he lacks in height, he's so, like, in your airspace that you're you're taking shots as if he were 6'7 or 6'8 with super long arms. And then that that pass to, to Mitch was my, my favorite play from the whole weekend because it started off with him catching the ball on the wing, it was a really tough pass from Julius Randle, who was doubled. He pump faked, ditched DeAndre Ayton with, with a little head fake, and, and then just wrapped it around uh, Dwayne Washington Jr. Uh, to Mitch for the jam. And it was very similar to what we saw last year, like the, that first big game he had where he had the drive into the lane. He had like the little like behind-the-hip drop-off to Mitch. He, he's just a very uh, nifty, uh, for lack of a better term, interior passer. Uh, and, and then the shooting. The shooting was there too. So uh, I, I would love to see some minutes of – I will we'll never get this lineup under Tibbs, but him quickly, Reddish, Obi, and Mitch playing together. Like I I just think that would be insane defensively. Like, like whether they're switching everything, even if they're playing drop, like that, that lineup just has so much potential to smother people. And honestly, with with Grimes juice as a secondary creator, if quickly can get his head on straight, which we can we can talk about as another negative if you want, uh, as, as as we peel back to our natural state after this. But uh I, I think I think that could be a fantastic group. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I, I thought for all the faults of the Knicks as a whole in this game on defense, I thought Grimes did as well as could have been reasonably expected against Booker, given the fact that the rest of the team just kind of seemed disinterested in defending at all in this game. I thought that he did. Like, on the possessions where he got to spotlight, like, hey, it's it's just me versus Devin Booker, mano y mano. I thought that he did a really good job on him and it was unfortunately just a byproduct of his teammates not doing their jobs that you know Booker and others were able to score as much as they were in this game because I I, I thought that he did like what was what was Booker's final line in this game? Seven and seventeen. He's a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, like seven to seventeen and, and I bet I don't know if the numbers are out yet to see what those were when he was defended by Grimes, but I bet you he shot like like one of four or something. Like he did not he did not do well with Grimes on him. Yeah, so, I mean, part of the difference in the second half was they did a, a much better job getting Grimes off of him, and he was torching everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because nobody else cared, because that's just the Knicks' way right now. Because yeah. they their coach is the lame duck, and uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> perfect segue. And that's to, it for optimism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfect segue to the th another thing I was sort of concerned with. Mitchell Robinson gets back in this game. And came off the bench, didn't start, uh, which, by the way, if we want to talk starters, I thought Isaiah Hartenstein just got destroyed by DeAndre Ayton in this game. It was I thought it was terrible. I thought it was one of my least favorite Hartenstein outings this whole year. Uh, but Mitch did not 
do much better, unfortunately. Um, ended with with two points, four boards, two blocks, and a steal. So, like, in 17 minutes. I mean, that doesn't look that bad on the surface. But in actuality, I he looked real slow. I mean, I yeah. he looks like he's not trusting that knee right now. I was telling you before the, before the show, like, unfortunately, it reminded me a lot of when he had the extra weight on last year. Yeah, and I know I, wrote, I literally wrote the same thing. Sorry to interrupt you, but I wrote yeah. the exact same thing in my notes. It, it, it was it was like a nightmare. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, this Mitch again. Yeah, I mean, he was just like slow footed, couldn't keep up with guys on the perimeter, could like just had to like atrocious closeout on Devin Booker for three at one point where Booker like Grimes actually was like closing out on him too. So I don't even know why Mitch like felt the need to do this exaggerated closeout on him. But Mitch just like came in, wasn't even close to getting the block because he was so late on the closeout and then just like fully landed in, in Booker's space, like two feet in his landing area. <laughs> like just completely blatant and Booker makes it because he was able to get shot off clean and then gets a four point play out of it. It was just, I mean, that was probably the low light for me with Mitch, but you know, like got that feed from Grimes on the baseline and like seemed like he could barely dunk the ball. Um, and just in general, it was very slow footed. Apparently he's wearing a knee brace. It doesn't look like a super thick knee brace. He's not like got some like stone cold Steve Austin thing on out there, but like, is wearing something that apparently is pretty uncomfortable for him. I think Stefan Bonnie of the Daily News wrote something about that. Uh, he looked very uncomfortable. He doesn't look like he's feeling steady about that knee yet. And that's concerning to me um, because I just don't, I don't, I, he just, he, if he's going to be like this form of Mitch, like the early season Mitch of last year, just let him sit a little longer. Honestly, yeah. let him get a little more treatment. And let him feel a little better before he hits the floor again, because I didn't think his minutes today were super productive, and and I don't want to see him too much like that uh, if if we can avoid it. Yeah, there's I I really don't have anything to add. There's, he he shouldn't be playing if if he looks like that. He he his conditioning is not there. That 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 is abundantly clear, and he's not he's he's not skilled enough to to compensate when his conditioning isn't there. That that's kind of the frank truth about Mitch. Like he's he he could be a really positive player uh when he when he's in at his best shape. If not, he is a he is a negative. And and continuing with the center position, I mean Isaiah Hardenstein, um I, I think it might have been Ariel who put the stat out there, but I, I double checked it. Uh three assists over his last seven games. Um this is another element of gross Tom Thibodeau negligence. And uh, honestly I I feel like Isaiah, I would be shocked if he fired his agent at some point because they clearly got no assurances unless it was or, or possibly told a bold faced lie about how he's going to be used in New York because they basically took all of his strengths away and, and are trying to turn him into New Orleans Noel. And that's not what makes him good and worth eight million dollars a year. It's, it's that he's a fantastic passer. It's that if you throw him the ball at the elbow, he is the weapon to to hit that flip shot or he can. Uh, whip passes out to shooters on the perimeter, but partially because of the next spacing, partially because things are just so jumbled and incoherent offensively, and no one knows what the pecking order is. Like I think either with the starters or the subs, like with, with the starters, there's this constant wrestling match between uh, Jalen, Julius, and RJ, and then with the bench, I even though it's, yeah, I I, I don't think there's ill intent there. I, I think there's a lot of awkwardness between Rose and IQ, and and who's handling the ball, and that's throwing IQ off a lot, and all that leaves someone like Hartenstein, who's, who's nominally the fourth or fifth guy in that conversation, uh, not holding the ball a whole lot, and in turn, 
Uh, not really the guy you paid for if you're the New York Knicks. So that sucks. And then Emmanuel quickly, who I, I thought was playing his best basketball the last couple of games, was like, finally, this guy turned the corner. And he's uh, probably more than anyone else in the Knicks, someone that I, I just root for on a personal level. And I want to see do well. So it's a real bummer to see him regress to what it was for, through the first 12 games of the season or so, where he just looks completely out of sorts. And, and every single thing he does, it seems like he's questioning his mind. Like, all right, should I actually drive here? Should I actually shoot here? Should I be passing? Should I be shooting? And, and, and you can see the gears turning constantly with him. And uh, I, I don't know if it's going to take eventually benching Derrick Rose or, or trading Derrick Rose. Rose got hurt in the second half of the Suns game. So maybe that'll unlock quickly as, as his role is clarified. But I don't think he knows what he's supposed to do. And then for Obi, I mean, he had a six-minute sequence against the Warriors where he missed a lob dunk. Uh, he hit a three off the side of the backboard, and then he missed another dunk. And, and it's a similar situation where it looks like he's finally faltering under the weight of, again, not, not really having a consistent role in this team, not getting to play much, not knowing when he's going in or who he's going in with. And, and he is starting to look like first-year Obi again. And that's a real bummer for a guy who is evolving into, on a permanent basis, just one of the better scorers in the league. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I don't want to add too much to that because it just makes me sad to think about. Uh, so I'll just throw before we wrap things up here because, <laughs> frankly, I'm pretty much done talking about these games. They're just not fun. Uh, Deuce McBride, I'll, I'll give a quick shout out to. He managed to get, mm. because of the nature of the game, because Derek Rose also went out with, a, I think they said a toe injury yes, after toe. the first half in the Suns game. Uh, Deuce got to play 14 minutes in the second half of this uh, Nick Suns game and managed to score nine points on four or six shooting, one and two from three, uh, had a steal in there. I thought did a good job of doing what he does, which is bring some energy onto the floor. And, you know, that just defensive, like nonstop, like nat energy, you know, like it, much as I hate to relate anyone to this guy, like that, like TJ McConnell, like I'm going to like full court press you all day just because I can kind of energy because that's just what he's out there to do I, sorry um, i was muted i, I was gonna say you, you had prigioni right there and you went mcconnell <laughs> yeah yeah i guess I that's true although pablo yeah. didn't do it all the time he just did right, it selectively yeah. mcconnell annoyingly does it like every possession and you're like will you run out of energy already you freaking jerk <laughs> um but uh, i my only complaint with deuce is he still just needs to work a little bit on point guarding in the sense of when they had him with the ball, he was doing what quickly used to do a lot uh, his first and uh, partly his second year where he would bring the ball down the floor and then just pick up his dribble for no reason and just be like, okay, the play's about to start. And then the play wouldn't start. <laughs> and then he'd just be like stranded on an island and be like, ah, oh, crap. Like I picked up my dribble and yeah. what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. And then would have to kind of like someone would have to scramble over to him to like reset the play and whatever. Uh, so, you know, I, I hope that he starts learning from that and starts keeping his dribble up but um yeah that's that and then i'll just throw one more <laughs> analogy out there i think this is because i'm still mad about the jets from today and i thought of this analogy when i was watching the game and then forgot to work it in the first two segments so i'm just going to use it now i i thought that the knicks particularly in the suns game looked like a quarterback in football that only has one read and that's all that they can work through and they have no progression and no plan for another read. So like you might have three wide receivers running out there, but he's only looking at the one. And if that doesn't work out, he doesn't know what to do. That yeah. sort of feels like what the Knicks are right now. Like they have one play. If that play doesn't work out, it just devolves into an ISO. And that's just sort of their, their offense right now. These are the things that I hope change 
when they move on from Tibbs, whenever that may be. But I, I find that on both ends of the ball right now, they're just very uninspiring. And uh, after these last two games, you know, it's like, again, I'm with you totally. It's like fool's gold, ironically, against the Denver Nuggets, right? Like fool's, fool's gold when they win these games that make you say like, oh, this team has talent and they should be winning more. Because then you remember like, yeah, but then once they go against these like really good teams that are at full strength, they just get destroyed because they have no creativity and they have no way of utilizing the good talents on the team and, and maximizing them. And clearly Tibbs is not getting through to motivating these guys because they, they play with no sense of urgency intermittently. And it just seems to infect them throughout the whole team. So, so that's my final negative note to end on. I, I was like trying to end on deuce, but then I was like, no, you know what? I remembered this cool analogy I came up with. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's it for me, Gavin. I'll let you take us home here. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was a good one. I'm, I'm on the same page. And that is it for Locked on Knicks. So uh, tune in later this week. We'll have we'll have a, a part two of that episode with Albert Gammon, Corey Teleba. So a, a little more optimistic, looking towards what the Knicks' future could include from the 2023 NBA draft. But for now, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. We'll talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks. Peace out. Enjoy your week. And uh, yeah, go Knicks, uh, hopefully. Bye, guys.